Revelation chapter 12 is where we are today. And man, I, it is so good to see you guys today. Uh, but let's be honest. Uh, no, no church talk for a minute, all right? We're tired. A lot of people are tired. Uh, I'm tired. A lot of us are tired emotionally, mentally, physically. We're just all kind of feeling it. I think we're kind of tired from trying to keep our chins up when every day there's, it seems, some new adversity that we're confronted with, some obstacle, some more uncertainty, frustration in our life, despair and pain. I just conducted a funeral for an eight-month-old baby girl yesterday. There's a family waking up today to unimaginable pain. Some of you are experiencing incredible pain in your life as well. And, and, and what I'm concerned about is that I, I fear that among the people of God, occasionally, maybe if we're honest, we might say, I, I feel a little bit of hopelessness in the middle of everything that's going on around us. There's questions that, I don't know about you, but just seem to run around my mind constantly. They never really seem to take a break. Some of those questions just have to do with real personal things about me and my life. Some of them are questions on a bigger scale, I suppose, like what is happening to America? Are, are, are the races being pulled further apart in these days? What's going to happen with COVID? Is that going to get worse? Is my first grader going to have to wear a mask to school this year? Are we even going to have school this year? Are you going to have a job next month? What's going to happen next what's going to be the next thing that happens and of course the biggest question probably running around a lot of our minds is are we going to have college football right but seriously I think that we are just kind of feeling the weight and the drag of all this stuff that's going on it's really taking a toll on us and we we need clear honest truthful perspective and I don't know if you've realized this but that is nowhere to be found in the world that we're living in right now if you're looking for clear and truthful and honest perspective about anything going on, it's not, it's not found on planet Earth. And more than truthful, honest perspective, I think today what we need is hope. And the world's certainly not dispensing that. But I do know this, truthful, honest, right perspective and hope are found in the Word of God. And so we're going to dive back into the Word of God today, and I'm praying that God's going to give us a God-sized view, a God-sized perspective of who He is and who we are and what's going on in this world that we're living in. And here's how the Bible explains this. The entire universe has been in a war ever since an angel by the name of Lucifer rebelled against God in heaven, and he led a third of the angels in heaven to rebel with him against God. And from that time on, the earth where you and I are sitting right now, we are the central battlefield for this cosmic conflict between God and Satan. Beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, Satan drug humanity into this war. And, and we haven't been just simply drugged into the middle of this war, but we right now are also active participants in this war. And this war between God and Satan, as bad as it has been, as bad as it is, it is nothing yet compared to what it's going to be. This war between God and Satan is going to hit its peak 
in a period of time that the Bible calls the tribulation. More specifically, what's called the great tribulation or the final three and a half years of seven years of tribulation. This seven-year period of tribulation is documented in the book of Revelation from Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 19. If you've ever looked at the book of Revelation and just felt overwhelmed, that may help a little bit just to know chapters 4 through chapter 19 are all about the seven years of tribulation. And those final three and a half years, this war is going to reach its peak. And Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 24 that that three and a half year period of time is going to be a time of trouble that is worse than any time of trouble humanity has ever known before it. It'll be a time of trouble like humanity's never going to know again. God is going to be pouring out His wrath in that period of time against all unholiness. And at the same time, simultaneously, Satan's going to be pouring out His wrath against everything that is holy. The entire universe is going to feel the full force of this. From the first moment that Satan rebelled against God, Satan has been trying to stop the purposes of God. This is explaining to you what you're watching on the news right now, okay? It's this cosmic conflict. And from the beginning of this conflict, Satan has been trying to stop the purposes of God. He's been trying to stop the plans of God. He's been trying to destroy the people of God. Why? Because he does not want Jesus Christ to come back and rule and reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords on this earth. And he's doing everything he can to stop that from happening. Now, in chapters 12 through 14 of Revelation, we're introduced to the main characters of this great conflict during the Great Tribulation. We're going to look at four of those today out of chapter 12. Here they are, the woman, the dragon, the male child, and Michael the archangel. Let's look at the first character. Let's look at the woman. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Notice John says this was a great sign that appeared in heaven. The word great there is in the Greek the word mega. I don't have to explain to you what mega means. If you've ever stood at the counter at McDonald's, you know what the word mega means. Right? John says, I saw a mega, a big sign. This was something with big size. This is something with big significance and notice what he sees is he sees a sign a sign is pointing to something else the sign is not the reality it's pointing to the reality when you're coming back from vacation out of state you cross the state line there's a alabama sign welcome to alabama right sweet home alabama which my wife will stop and watch that movie every single time it is on the tv oh my goodness got it memorized now but you see that sign as you cross the state line alabama well that's not alabama that's just a sign telling you there's a greater reality of a state called alabama so john is seeing a great sign a mega sign in heaven and the first thing that he sees in this mega sign is a woman there's some differing views among people about who this woman is but the majority of people i think believe that this woman is the nation of israel that's also what i believe the old testament often describes Israel as a woman sometimes describes her as the wife of God. Some people think that this woman in Revelation chapter 12 is the church, but I don't think that's the case, and I'll tell you a few reasons why a little bit later. It shouldn't surprise us, by the way, that this would be the nation of Israel, because Daniel chapter 9, where we started this whole study in Revelation, God dispatched the archangel Michael to bring a word of prophecy to Daniel, and he was very clear that these seven years are all about Israel. Why? Because God still loves Israel. 
God still has a purpose for Israel. God still has promises for Israel that he intends to deliver to her. Now, if there's any nation on the face of the earth that Satan wants to completely destroy, it is Israel. Why? Because if there is no Israel on the planet, then God's word is not going to be fulfilled. Then God will be proven to be a fraud. Now, notice how this woman is dressed. She's clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. There's only one other place in all of Scripture where that wording, that symbolism is used. It's in Genesis chapter 37. There's a young man by the name of Joseph. Joseph had a father whose name was Jacob. Jacob got a new name. His name became Israel. He had 12 sons. Joseph was one of those sons. His brothers hated him. They despised him. They threw him in a pit. They sold him as a slave into Egypt. But, but Joseph had had a dream that he shared with his family. The dream was that, that there would be these 11 stars and the sun and the moon that would come and bow down before him. And Joseph's father, Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, rightly interpreted that dream. He explained that what this means is your mother and your father and your 11 brothers one day are going to come and bow before you. Joseph is the 12th star. Everything's matching up with Revelation chapter 12. And of course, they didn't want to hear that. But that's what happened. God in his providence elevates Joseph to becoming vice president over Egypt. Sure enough, one day his family came and they bowed down before him. So this woman in Revelation chapter 12 is dressed with the symbolisms of Israel's household. See that? And verse 2 tells us this. She's pregnant. Verse 2 says she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Now, this is another reason I don't think this woman is the church. The church is never pregnant. The church doesn't give birth to anything. The church is never seen as a mother. In fact, the church in Revelation chapter 12 isn't even married yet. The church gets married in Revelation chapter 19 at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're about to find out that this woman is pregnant with the Messiah. The church didn't give birth to the Messiah. It was Israel that gave birth. To the Messiah. Paul says that in Romans chapter 5 that the human ancestry of the Messiah can be traced through the Jewish people. All you got to do is read the genealogies of Jesus in the gospel accounts, and you know that the Messiah came through Israel, through the Jewish people. It was Israel that gave birth to the Messiah. This is why Jesus said to the woman at the well, Salvation is from the Jews. Salvation comes eventually to the Gentiles, but it passes through the Jewish people. So the woman here in Revelation chapter 12, I believe she's Israel and she is pregnant with the Messiah. She's chosen to deliver the Messiah into this sin-sick world. And verse 2, the end of verse 2 says, This woman was crying out in birth pains and agony of giving birth. She's in pain, crying out. She is longing to deliver this child. Why? Because when she was chosen to deliver the Messiah into this sin-sick world, Israel suffered greatly because of that. Sometimes Israel has suffered because God was disciplining her for her sin. Sometimes Israel has suffered because Satan has been trying to destroy this woman and cause her to abort that pregnancy. The woman Israel was in constant pain, longing to deliver the Messiah so that one day the Messiah could deliver her from sin and death and Satan's onslaughts. We come to the second character in Revelation chapter 12. We saw the woman. Now we see a great red dragon. 
Verse 3 says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great, a mega, a mega red dragon with seven heads and ten horns on his head, seven diadems. Here's the second character in Revelation chapter 12. It's a great red dragon. Remember, John says this is a sign. This is pointing to the reality, okay? So don't think that Satan is in reality a red dragon. He is no more a red dragon than the nation of Israel is literally a woman. All right? It's pointing us to the reality. This dragon, Satan, is the woman's enemy. He has seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. Just know for now that that is really speaking to, I believe, his authority over the kingdoms of the earth. Again, you want to know what's going on in the world today, in the kingdoms of the world today, the nations today? Just You don't have to look any further than Satan. He's at work in the middle of all of this. And the Bible says in verse 4, His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven, and he cast them to the earth. When Satan rebelled against God, I told you, in heaven, he took a third of heaven's angels also rebelling against God, and they fell from heaven. We call those angels demons now. And we don't know exactly how many there are. We bumped into this. I didn't bring out a lot about it in Revelation chapter 9. But in Revelation chapter 9, God releases 200 million demons from the Euphrates River. And that's just a portion of all the demonic host. And Satan's working through that demonic host. And he's not just working through that demonic host, but he's working through humanity today as well. From the very beginning, he whispered into Eve's ear. From the very beginning, he was crouching at Cain's door, convincing him to murder his brother Abel. In this strange text in Genesis chapter 6, it seems that Satan sends demons into the earth to breed into the human race. Perhaps to create some type of irredeemable race of humanity. And consequently, God destroyed the world with a flood to rid that race of people from the planet. Satan tried to stop Abraham and he tried to stop Isaac. He tried to stop Jacob. He tried to stop Joseph. Satan has been in an all-out war with this woman to destroy her, to terminate this pregnancy. She's carrying in her womb the one who eventually will be crowned king of kings and lord of lords and when that happens satan will lose his power he will lose his kingdoms he will lose his authority he tried satan tried to kill all the jewish baby boys in egypt remember that he tried to get saul to kill david the messiah was to come through david he tried to get the messianic line cut off from the very beginning satan divided the kingdom of israel it looked like the assyrians would take out Israel. Look like the Babylonians would take out Israel. The Persian Empire took over and looked like Haman would abolish the Jewish people from the face of the earth. But God raised up a young princess, a young queen by the name of Esther for such a time as this and used her uncle Mordecai. Satan wanted to exterminate this woman, terminate this pregnancy. But he has always failed. And here, you need, some, you need some perspective today. Here it is. He's always failed. You know why? Because God's plans cannot be stopped. God's purposes and his plans will not be stopped. But Israel has certainly felt the pain of the fury of this, this enemy. Because she's carrying the Messiah in her blood. Satan and his army have relentlessly pursued her. Throughout her history. Verse 4 says, And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. He couldn't, he couldn't destroy her before she went into labor, 
So as she goes into labor, he stands there waiting to pounce on the child that she will deliver. He whispered into Herod's ear, did he not? You've got to murder all the baby boys in Bethlehem. That failed. So he worked the people of Jesus' hometown of Nazareth into a frenzy, convinced them to try to push Jesus off a cliff, but they could not. Satan tried to get Jesus to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple, but he did not. Satan tried to keep Jesus bound up in a tomb, but he could not. Since then, Satan has turned his attention to removing Israel from the face of the earth because God still has a purpose for them. He still has a plan for them. He still has promises to deliver to them. And if he can remove Israel from the face of the earth, then God's word is a lie. It looked like the Romans would rid the earth of the Jews in 70 A.D. It looked like the Europeans would rid the world of the Jews because they blamed them for the Black Plague. It looked like the Catholic Church would annihilate the Jewish people during the Inquisition. It looked like the Russians would annihilate the Jewish people in the 19th century. And of course, we know what happened just 80 years ago as Hitler murdered 6 million Jews in the Holocaust. And if Satan hasn't been trying to completely and utterly destroy Israel, he's been trying to melt them in to all the nations and all the societies. Just blend them in so that they subtly disappear. But after all this, heads up, it's the year 2020, and this woman's standing tall and strong. And she's more alive today than she's ever been before. She did deliver that Messiah. And soon... That Messiah is going to deliver her. That brings us to the third character of Revelation 12, the male child. We've touched on him already, but go to verse 5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Notice he is to rule. He's not ruling yet. He is to rule. But her child was caught up to God and his throne. He hasn't ruled yet because he got caught up to God and his throne. Before he's crowned as king of kings and lord of lords, first he had to ascend into heaven. Acts 1 tells us that. I'll take you there. Acts 1, 6 says, So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now when you're going to be king of kings? Lord of lords, is when the kingdom's coming? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And when he comes in that same way, he is coming to rule and reign as king of kings and lord of lords, and Satan will be defeated. Satan couldn't stop Israel. He couldn't stop the birth of the Messiah. He couldn't stop his sacrifice for our sins on the cross. He couldn't stop his resurrection. He couldn't stop his ascension into heaven. And he's not going to stop his return as king. But Satan will be furious. He's going to be furious during this time of tribulation. He couldn't stop the Messiah. So in these seven years, in particular the final three and a half years, he is going to try to massacre as many of those that God will have saved in that period of time as he possibly can. We get to verse 6, and verse 6 fast forwards us from that ascension of Jesus 2,000 years ago. It fast forwards us to the final three and a half years of the tribulation. The woman that the dragon has hated for so long, she's there 
She's there in the final three and a half years of tribulation. Satan's going to be seeking to destroy her. Jesus warned about that. Matthew chapter 24. This is what Jesus said. Matthew 24, 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. You don't believe the Old Testament's true? Jesus did. He refers to it all the time. He said, Daniel, Daniel's already told you what happened. That's where we started this study in Revelation. Daniel is, is, is explained to Daniel that there's going to be an antichrist that goes into the Jewish temple and demands to be worshipped as God. It's called the abomination of desolation. Jesus says, Matthew 24, 15, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who's on the housetop not go down to take what's in his house. And let the one who's in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. At the midpoint of these seven years, the Antichrist is going to set him up to be worshipped as God. He's going to desecrate the temple, and he's going to begin a worldwide effort to annihilate the Jewish people. Revelation chapter 12, verse 6 says, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. 1,260 days is another way of saying three and a half years. She's going to flee into the wilderness to a place that God's prepared. He's going to protect her. He's going to provide for her. She likely is going to flee into the same wilderness, maybe, that... Moses and the Israelites wandered around in for 40 years before God took them over into the promised land. Some people speculate, and there's some scripture verses that allude to this, that she may find refuge in the city of Petra in Jordan. Me and Brian Gilliland, he's in this room somewhere. I don't know where he went. He's in here. Is he still in here? He, he left. He's got his hands full with some young ones, don't he? Brian and I, we've been in that Petra. We've been through that seek. There's a painting in my office of me sharing the gospel with an Egyptian street sweeper in the seek of Petra. Some speculate that's where God's going to place Israel and protect her. We don't know exactly where that's going to happen, but we do know this. God's going to protect them, and he's going to provide for them for that time. Now, the scene shifts from verse 6 to verse 7. Verse 6, we're watching Israel be protected. Verse 7, the scene shifts back to heaven. Fourth character, Michael the archangel. Verse 7 says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. That's worth underlining. If, you, if your person don't believe in writing in your Bible, I'd, I'd believe it now, and I'd underline that. He was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The Bible's clear, and this may surprise you. Satan right now still has access to heaven. He's still there, often. We see that in the book of Job. He, he attends a, a meeting before the throne of God in the book of Job. And he's accusing Job before the throne of God. That's still what Satan's doing right now. He still goes before the throne of God accusing you. Accusing me. But calling us the worst he could call us. Sinners before a holy God. That's why Jesus is at the right hand of the Father defending us. Advocating for us. Speaking the truth that all of our sin has been taken away. It's under the shed blood of Jesus. But one day, this cosmic war that's been going on is going to escalate in heaven. And Michael and his angels are going to fight against Satan. 
and His angels. And when that escalation in that war in heaven is over, there's going to no longer be a place for Satan in heaven. That'll be the last day that he's ever allowed to come before that throne. And he's going to be cast out to the earth on that day. Now, some speculate, speculate. This is not Bible. It's just mere speculation. But some speculate that this escalation in the war may happen when the church is caught up in the rapture. That when Jesus returns in the air and we're caught up in the air, the dead in Christ rise up and we're caught up in the air with them to meet the Lord in the air. Satan is the prince of the air, right? And some speculate that as the church is passing through his domain on our way to heaven, that he will be aroused once again to try to stop the plan of God, to try to stop the purpose of God to try to stop the people of God, to try to interfere with the rapture. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's awfully interesting. I had studied for this this week, and then I was preaching this funeral yesterday, and I read this verse at the graveside. I read this verse at a lot of graveside, but yesterday when I read it, I heard war language in this verse that I'd never heard before. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, Sounds like war. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With a shout, with the voice of an archangel. Hello, Michael, archangel battling in the heavenlies. And with the trumpet of God. What's trumpets remind you of throughout Scripture? Battle, war, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Hey. I don't know. Might be something to that. We don't know that for sure. I don't preach speculation. I preach revelation. But I do know this. Whenever that escalation in this war happens, Satan's going to be and all of his demons are going to be relegated to planet Earth. Verse 9 says, Then the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. That is part of what's going to make these seven years tribulation. That's part of what's going to make those final three and a half years the worst days that the earth has ever seen and ever will see. Because now Satan and his demons are stuck on the earth and they're going to be working rapidly and with great intensity to try to stop the purposes of God and to try to destroy the people of God. But when Satan is cast down on this earth, praise is going to erupt in heaven, right? You know why? Because he ain't never coming back up there. Verse 10, and by the way, I think I'm in this praise service. You know, Jesus, you probably are too. Verse 10, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. Heaven says to the earth, hey, good news, bad news. Bad news is you're stuck with the devil for the next three and a half years. Good news is his time is short. Verse 13 says, And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Satan turns his attention now back to Israel in those three and a half years again. He's coming after Israel. Verse 14, but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished 
for a time and times and half a time. I don't know what this eagle means. I don't know. I've heard people teach the book of Revelation, spend an hour talking about Delta and Turkish Airlines and this imagery. And Who cares? The point of it is God is going to save a remnant in Israel. He's going to provide for them. He's going to protect them. Notice it says for a time and times and half a time. That's a fancy way of saying one year, two years, and half a year. Time, times, and half a time. Add it up. It's three and a half years. Verse 15, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. Again, we don't know exactly what this symbolism means. Some speculate that, they, that, that, that Satan is going to mobilize the Gentile armies of the earth to rise up against Israel. Verse 16 says, but the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. I don't understand all that that means, but I know this. God is not going to let Satan have his way. God's not going to let Satan destroy his people. Verse 17, then the dragon became furious. Nothing he does is working, nor ever has. He became furious with the woman, and he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. He cannot get to her, so he turns his attention probably to the 144,000 Jewish missionaries, to the two witnesses in Jerusalem that we talked about last week, and to every Jewish and Gentile person that has come to faith in Christ during this period of time. And it's finishes by saying, and he stood on the sand of the sea. And we got to stop there because we're out of time. But I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. But I'm going to go ahead and spoil the ending for you. The people of God overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Jesus, we praise your name. We need this perspective. We need to hear the truth. We have been inundated by confusion chaos panic and pain and hatred and God you have brought us to drink deeply from the well of your perfect word today and we praise you for that because we needed perspective and we needed this hope Jesus would you Open our minds and our eyes to see and to understand. Holy Spirit, keep our hearts and our eyes fixed on Jesus. Strengthen us in these strange days that we're living in. God, don't let us be overwhelmed by evil. Give us grace to overcome the evil with the goodness of our God. God, we are grateful to be your people for such a time as this. Jesus, you will soon be high and exalted as King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And there is no greater news for our hearts than that. Even so, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's stand and let's worship Him.